Hey everybody, uh, this is Devin Boker, this is Wildlife. Uh, this episode is actually an older one, it's one from last winter. Ooh, getting a text message there. Um, wanted to replay it because, you know, it's winter and uh, we're getting close to Christmas and yet I have no snow, no snow to enjoy, no snow to be seen. And um, anyway, it's it was an interesting question and it ended up being a pretty interesting episode and while we are working on production of a bunch of others thought you know what we put out a couple shorts lately let's put out a full-length episode even if it's an old one and this is a revisit but uh we miss you and um uh we'll be back soon we'll be back really really soon um actually a couple days we're gonna have a uh short short update audio update uh posted to our feeds where if uh, if you've been wondering, hey, what's going on? How come there haven't been a ton of new, big, long episodes lately? And you don't follow us on social media, and you aren't a patron, and uh, you know what? You you should probably know too. So that's on its way. Anyway, in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy How to Build a Snowflake. Listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free with Citra Premium, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, my Favorite Murder, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more. Plus, get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Just $4.99 a month. Go to stitcher.com premium and use promo code THEWILDLIFE for one month free. Worried about slipping on the ice this winter? Kidnap a penguin from Antarctica and force it to give you piggyback rides. It's called the Penguin Method. I'm Devin. And I'm Richard. And this is The Wildlife. And today, uh, we are talking about Snowflakes, how to bake them, how to build them, how they build themselves, and whether or not water has memory, and if it's good or bad memory, and why snowflakes are symmetrical, usually, and have intricate shapes, and all of that fun stuff, and, and also, also the Big Bang, a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, let's, so, yeah, let's just, let's get to it. Really quick. Fun fact, um, we were just talking about this the other day. Richard, did did you know, so when you touch something, so like, so like I have a desk in front of me, right? My laptop yeah. is sitting on the desk. Okay. In which direction is force acting on the laptop? Uh, straight down? Yes, and? Uh, does this have to do with the Earth's rotation? Nope, nope. Uh, it's also going straight up. See, the desk itself is actually also pushing the laptop. Oh yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Right. Remember, remember. So it's equilibrium. So every action <laughs> has an equal exactly. Reaction. So the atoms, the molecules within the desk, and I promise this is relevant later on, but the molecules within the desk are being pushed down by gravity at a certain amount of force and are are repelling like a spring back up against gravity with a certain amount of force to hold everything stable. Just like so uh, um, when you punch a wall, technically the wall is punching you back. And uh, if you punch your fists together, technically speaking, you're kind of punching yourself four times. Mm. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. In Soviet Russia, drywall punch Kyle. <laughs> also, uh, you can't punch a piece of paper with anything more than like 
50 pounds of force, probably far less than that because the paper itself can't hit you back with that amount of force. Interesting stuff, right? Right, right. Anyway, um, so <laughs> the, the, the idea here, the idea for this episode, it sprung up because of, um, well, uh, my wife and I and, and our toddler, uh, we went and saw Frozen 2 recently. And there's, there's this whole portion of the movie where um, I'm trying, I, I don't want to give spoilers. I mean, it's been out for a while. And if you're listening, I mean, I don't know. I don't know Frozen fans and people who listen to the wildlife, if it's the same demographic, but you know, whatever. Um, there is, there's the scene sequence. It's kind of a montage of sorts. So uh, they, they're on their trip. They're on a voyage, a journey. And uh, Olaf, the little snowman character, he's having this sort of existential crisis throughout the whole movie. He's kind of like, he's becoming more mature and his thoughts are more complex and stuff. And um, he is sharing all of these little factoids as they go on the trip. And they're all, they're all actual factoids, except then he drops this one, this one factoid that I have a slight problem with. And it's that um, water has memory. He, in fact, he says, he says, uh, <clears throat> something like, uh, water, water remembers everything that it touches, but here's a problem. No, it doesn't. No. I mean, of course it's, it's just the, I, I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen any of those, like sometimes there's like documentaries that talk about like the strangeness of the world and stuff. And, and almost always, they always talk about a few different things with water. Uh, one's like, Oh, if you talk bad to them, uh, the water's ugly, which is, I mean, that's a whole problematic thing in, in and of itself because it's like, who, who decides if water's ugly? First off, that's just mean and cruel. Maybe it's beautiful in its own way. Maybe it has a wonderful personality. Who are you to say that the water is ugly? Um, doesn't have a personality, just saying. Uh, uh, but, but, but the whole water memory thing, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's been debunked uh, numerous strange. times. It's just so, so the whole idea, maybe to back up a little bit, um, back in, what was it, 1988, um, there was a man by the name of Jacques Benevista or Benveniste or something like that. Uh, he published a study in Nature, which is a scientific journal, all about his research on water and his, his uh, uh, assertion, 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 not sure. Anyway, his whole point was that um, water has the ability, ability to retain a memory of the substances that it, it has been dissolved in. So it somehow remembers, uh, uh, what, what it's been a part of, um, if it's passed through a body, if it's passed through, if it's been filtered through something or diluted in something, um, it holds on to a memory. First off, what does that even mean? But it was used at the time and still to justify a whole bunch of different um, homeopathic remedies. Now, here's the thing. The years following that study, the U.S. Department of Defense, independent researchers, and even the guy's own team tried to replicate the results and they couldn't do it. Never could. No one. Well, are they? Tr does that mean? I mean, I can imagine if it has something to do with along the lines of it, it's still having uh, residual bits in there. But other than that, that just 
doesn't even begin to make any sense. I know it, it was kind of like this idea of essence, like this. It 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 contains the essence of or. I don't know, or, or almost like it's like Ditto the Pokemon. Like it could, it could act in the way that the other things acted that it was once a part of, or it could. It, it's either way. I don't even want to give it too much attention. It's a load of malarkey, just uh, to put it nicely. One of the other pieces about this that bothers me is that if anything, water has a bad memory. Nice job, water, dude. Learn how to read. What? What do you say? <laughs> said nice job, water. Learn how to oh, read. Learn how to. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> but uh, 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 bad, bad memory. Bad memory. It, it's, 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 it's uh, a sentence that I hesitate to say. But, but you'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. What I mean is that water, if we want to use words, personable words, personifying words like memory and remember, that kind of thing, it has a terrible memory. But, 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 in order to fully grasp what I mean, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. How far to the beginning of what the beginning like back 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 all the way back back i'm not gonna wrap oh, uh, gonna the rap. big bang the big bang yes all the way back like literally to the very beginning the big bang well 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 moments after just just a little bit after oh well, here we go in the beginning the universe it was 15 trillion degrees well okay First off, no. But the universe was small. Like, like, how small? Like, like the size of a grapefruit. Dang, boy. That's one thick grapefruit. <laughs> and and it was, it was hot. Like, like, like incredibly hot. Like, like 20 times hotter than the universe is now. Scientists have calculated that in the instant, just before the universe became the universe... At that instant, the temperature was equal to about 1.5 nonillion Kelvin. So, what is that in English? <laughs> First off, that was English. Second, uh, it's basically 10 with like 32 zeros after it. A very, very big number. Almost unimaginable. Pretty much, yeah, it is unimaginable. But it's, it, it's like 180 million trillion trillion degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that, that didn't help, yeah. It was hot. Very. <laughs> so, uh, as you know, the story goes, there was a, there was a bang. Well, some say it's, uh, it was much more gradual um, than, than others, but either way, there was a, a, a mass expansion. The universe expanded, and as it expanded, it started to cool. And cool. And cool. And cool. And cool, and cool until. Until what? Uh, well, think about it. So, if you have, let's say, a hot cup of tea, like a chai tea latte, 
which I've been obsessed with lately, or like a London fog. That sounds delicious. Um, or, or, or like a hot thing of soup. I'm kind of cold right now. I have very cold toes. Um, anyway, or, or like a hot pot of uh, chicken noodle soup on the stove and, and you're waiting for it to cool down. And as it cools down, um, you start to get these uh, clumpy bits. It's no longer uniform. It starts to slow down and solidify and right, right, right. harden and dry out. Exactly. You get like this film, right? And you start, things start to clump together and form these sort of chunks. I don't really like to think of the chunks, but you know, chunks, it's kind of a gross word, but you know, or, or like, or like a, a hot chocolate with marshmallows. Like if you, even if you, if you don't heat it up enough and you add in all the marshmallows before it's too hot and then they kind of melt a little bit, but they, they very quickly cool down and they all start to just clump together into one massive marshmallow chunk. Yeah, but how does this uh, go back to snowflakes? Ah, okay, okay, exactly. So, um, these things, just like all of the tiny particles at the beginning of the universe, even now, but especially then, act like tiny seeds. Uh, seeds? Yeah. Think about it. What What are seeds? Well, things that grow from other... Oh. Okay. Exactly. 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 They, they they grow things. They're they're the first bit. They're the first thing. Like 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 little tiny sparks. They spawn stars and planets and nebulas and all that. Everything. Exactly. All of these particles. Maybe maybe bits of iron stick to some nearby bits of iron, and then you've got this big ball of iron, and then that iron has more gravity and attractiveness, and it pulls in other bits of iron and eventually you have this really big ball that will serve as a core of a planet and so on and or so on seed. exactly seats and the shapes and forms that things take have a lot to do with tiny variations in temperature and density and chemical composition and and atomic attractiveness and gravity and as the universe cools this sort of thing just happens more and more and more. Until it all fades away and we all die and all the stars die. <sighs> and yeah. And and you die. It's a and the universe goes black. Dust in the wind. Oh yeah, it's dust in the wind. Okay. Um that's enough for the time depressing bit. Um time is so something. Oh, you just wait. You just wait until a later point when we dive fully into that whole shenanigan. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, um, because it's still cooling, I mean, looking even deeper, you, you've got, I mean, we know atoms, you know, how the basic structure that it's the protons and the neutrons in the middle, and you've got the swirling cloud of electrons on the outside. And, and these things themselves sort of act like seeds and blueprints of formation, right? They, they stick together. They, they form their bonds together and form whole elements and, and compounds and all kinds of just fascinating stuff. So the universe is basically going through billions of years long phase transition. You could think of it like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I, I had mentioned that water. Okay. Water has actually a pretty bad memory, especially when it comes 
to how to freeze. Okay. So here's my question. What is the freezing point of water? Uh, 32 Fahrenheit, zero Celsius. Exactly. Not. You're wrong. Kind of. Uh, (laughs) Water doesn't have to freeze until somewhere around negative 55. Where is this coming from? The only reason that water freezes at 32 degrees is because something forces it to freeze. Uh... Like a, like a catalyst? A seed. Exactly. We call them uh, uh, a nucleus or, or a nucleator. So what, what I've always thought is that when water cools down, the individual molecules uh, just start to slow down, like literally begin moving slower and slower and slower, right? Sort of. They do. And, and, and when they're moving more slowly they also get much closer, right? When you probably, you probably, if you can like think back to high school, um, talking about phase transitions and, and solid liquid gas. And of course there are more states of matter, but um, in those, you know, the diagrams usually show, you know, gas, the, the, the molecules are all over the place and kind of zipping around. And then when it's a liquid, they're kind of close together, but they're, you know, they're flowing, you know, they're moving around, their arms are waving in the breeze. And then when they're solid, they're all, stuck together super compact right problem is is that at the point where they should begin to crystallize which is a whole other thing crystallization it's almost as if the molecules don't remember what they're doing see the thing is is that the structure of a snowflake or an ice crystal for that matter it's kind of complicated there needs to be a specific particular order for things to work And it's just too hard for water on its own to make it work. Sort of like when you're trying to draw something freehand. Can't quite remember what it looks like. You need to look at a picture. And you think you have it. And you start to draw. And maybe it's like a horse. And it's starting to look more like a hippo. And you're like, this this isn't quite right. And so you look back at the picture again. Except in this case, it's not a picture, but a seed like dust or, or bacteria or even ice itself. See, I like to think of it like this. Um, water is like Luke Skywalker. Water is, <laughs> water is chilling on the Dagobah system and it's getting kind of cold and Yoda is like the seed and it's just like, Luke water person, use the, f-. this is a horrible Yoda voice, but anyway, it's like, trying to tell it what to do. It's how to use the force. It's trying to help the water raise the X-wing out of the swamp. And the water just won't quite listen right. And it's all like, ah, I got to go rescue my friends in Cloud City. And then like even Obi-Wan has to pop in and be like, Luke, don't you, don't do that. That's not the way you're going to go to the dark side. And Luke's like, no, they're my friends. I'm whiny. I'm overrated. And then he goes to take off and rescue. And it's like, doesn't he's just he can't figure out how to be a jedi without those seeds there to be like no do it this way is that is that too much of a leap um actually yes i i I would say it is yeah (laughs) a force leap anyway okay so the structure of the seed is probably the most important part because it basically allows 
more like forces. <laughs> the water molecules to to mimic its angles and shape until the water is like oh okay okay so i i remember now that's what i'm supposed to do you you go here i go here we do this little bop and then we're we're a crystal it reminds me of uh oh man i forgot they're called um the uh, enzymes and substrates yeah 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 a little bit where it's it's almost like a uh a, a lock and key signal or type thing piece. like a puzzle piece exactly so it, we we've said memory i've said memory it's not really a memory it's almost more like a muscle memory or a forced muscle memory um memory is just a metaphor that's the important piece to remember metaphorical memory exactly you got it so you said dust bacteria and ice but how does ice remind ice doesn't that kind of create a bit of a paradox here um a little bit and if, i mean if you want to talk if you want to talk confusing things like that and recently in my biology class the question came up of wait a second so if rna polymerase has to read dna to form the mrna which eventually becomes the protein that expresses the trait. Well, then what made the RNA polymerase? Good question. Very confusing. But there are answers to the topic. Goes back to like the RNA world hypothesis. Very interesting stuff. Um, not relevant to the snowflakes. Anyway, uh, that 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 question, that is where things start to connect back to the beginning of the universe and and everything that has come since. And I will explain right after the break. Hey, this is Chelsea, teacher who hikes. My hiking tip this week is about when you go hiking. Now, it doesn't matter what season it is. I'll tell you this, and Devin's said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, hike early in the morning or hike in the evening because that's when wildlife's out. Um, by morning and evening, I don't mean necessarily time. I mean when the sun's coming up and when the sun's going down. That is when the animals are going to be most active, and that's when you're probably going to see them. You probably have noticed that already, that when the sun comes up in the morning, you hear birds out your window in the summer. Um, that's exactly how it is. And so, like, when I've seen animals, even in, like, this cold winter, it's at that kind of breaking point. So, um, yeah, go try to find some wildlife. And also, like, be quiet. Can I just go on a tangent quick here? If you have music blasting in the woods you know that you're just scaring away a wildlife. So please don't do that. I don't care if it's, ooh, I'm camping. You know what? I'm going to do a whole other tip about that some other time because you should know. All right. Thank you. This has been Chelsea. Bye. Okay. Um, we're back from the break. So up to this point, uh, we've talked about the Big Bang, the universe, uh, things coming together and, and forming cool objects like gold and, and manatees and and salt and pyrite and whatever else in this desk in front of me. I mean, I, someone else made this desk. I didn't make the desk and, 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 and memory and memory, not actually being memory and all kinds of stuff. And you mentioned dust and bacteria and ice itself. Um, now dust, I can sort of understand because it can be sort of crystal shaped or angled already but how does bacteria act as a seed good question 
Um, I have a personal favorite, Pseudomonas syringae, which is uh, the syringae part, syringe. You know, you know me at this point. I love etymology and where words come from and why things are called what they are. That part right there is the important piece in a moment. It's a plant pathogen. It makes this very, very special protein, a bit of a big one, right? This protein forces water molecules into shape. It's, it's sort of like an angry drill sergeant that just beats them into submission, right? And says, no, you go here, you go here. And it, it forms, forms crystals, which allow ice to form way above, well, maybe not way above, but reasonably, decently, surprisingly above standard freezing temp. Now, normally, it uses a special protein to form the ice crystals on a plant, right? It's a plant pathogen. Now, why? Well, because those crystals can pierce the plant open and allow the bacteria to enter and feast on the planty goodness. But these proteins don't only exist in plant pathogens. Anyway, there are, are, are several wonderful pieces of research out there that have been published which suggests that most snowflakes most have a little bit of bacteria at their center helping them to take shape uh well first off that's pretty gross but uh does that protein serve any other purpose like uh why would a non-plant pathogen bacteria need to form ice mm, mm, that's my favorite part absolute favorite part here's why Imagine you're a bacteria. Well, first off, why do I feel like I'm the voiceover on a depression medication commercial? Anyway, imagine you're a bacteria. You get blown up into the sky and you're just kind of up there. Now we can talk about gravity and the acceleration of gravity and things falling and free fall and wind resistance, air resistance, that whole shebang. The point is, it's not really going to fall. It might stay up there for a very long time. And if you're that bacteria, you don't want that. There's no food. There's no plants if you're the plant pathogen type. You're just up in the air. And it's cold. Like, do you want to be cold and being tossed around up in the sky? Probably not. So, if you have this special protein, how do you get down? You ride a snowflake like a parachute. Exactly. They're like tiny paratroopers. Really ruins the idea for me of catching snowflakes on your tongue, doesn't it? Yep, yep, a little bit, a little bit. So, that that is pretty cool and all, but what happened about uh, ice making ice? Ah, right. It's actually the best way to make ice. So, what happens? Well, uh, what better way to remind ice of who it is? and what its purpose is, and, and what it should do with its life, um, <laughs> or what its crystalline shape should be, than a crystalline-shaped water. A, a crystalline water crystal. A crystal of water. A water thing. So it's just like this domino effect of a, that makes a self-solving puzzle. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Which is how this all goes back to uh, the cosmos, I'm guessing. The cooling and finding seeds to cling on to create uh, the planetary bodies and stars and the yes. space bodies and everything, that, uh, and everything else. Yes, um, yes, yes, yep. One million percent. Absolutely. 
That is exactly right. But why are snowflakes shaped the way that they are? Well, let me ask you this. How are snowflakes shaped? Well, you usually see them as some sort of maybe a hexagonal, uh, symmetrical, flat, uh, spiky-looking thing. Not always. Some of them look more sabery. Some of them look more like a plain old plate thing. There's actually officially about 10 basic shapes of classification. The shapes of snowflakes are, are determined by a few different things like temperature, humidity, and in a sense, laziness. And I'll tell you what I mean right after the break. The Wildlife is building a community on iNaturalist with a new joinable project. Connect with a community of over 750,000 scientists and naturalists who can help you learn more about nature and help confirm identifications. By recording and sharing your observations, you help to create quality research data for scientists working better to understand and protect nature. iNaturalist is a joint initiative by the California Academy of Sciences and the National Geographic Society. For details on how to join our project and connect with other listeners, visit thewildlife.blog forward slash iNaturalist. Okay, where do we leave off? Um, snowflake shape. Okay. Whipping them into shape, why they are the shape that they are when they are whipped into shape, that sort of thing. So, uh, yes. Okay. Okay. The drier that it is, the more simple the shape. The more moist the air, the more intricate snowflakes can be. It's like fuel, right? So it's also connected to temperature, right? Warmer temperatures equal more moisture, therefore better shapes and vice versa. So, still, why exactly, why the whole six symmetrical sides? For that, I think it is time to... Try this at home! Okay, well, maybe not at home. Maybe if you're at the store and you see a stack of oranges or lemons, some sort of citrus, citron. Or if you are at home and you happen to have a whole bunch of pennies or quarters or nickels or really any kind of coin or similarly sized round objects, my personal favorite is a pennies. And for your viewing pleasure, I will create a video demonstration of exactly what I'm about to say and put it on our social media and on the website and in the episode description for this episode. What I want you to do, get about a hundred pennies, a dollar worth of pennies. You can do it with less, that's fine, I don't really care. Set them out in front of you on a flat surface, like a desk or a table or, you know, your cat's belly. Maybe not your cat's belly. Probably won't like that. It'll roll over. It'll bite you. Just what happens. Anyway, lay them out. Nice, even rows. Let's say if you have 100, you're doing uh, 4 by 20. Why not? 5 by 20. Wow, Devin. Math. Okay, five by 20. You don't want to stack them directly on top of each other. You want to fit them in so they're as tight as possible. So for example, one above two will look almost like a triangle. It's wedged in between the wedge of the two beneath it. And as you do this, you'll start to notice they form a bit of a hexagon pattern. This is exactly how the water molecules are connecting to form the flake in a hexagon pattern. It has to do with neatness and compactness. In fact, you would need about 
100,000 pennies or oranges or whatever you have or water droplets to form a single flake. Okay, so there's that. But in regards to the symmetry, it's all just the result of maximizing attractiveness and minimizing repulsiveness. Like online dating profiles. <laughs> exactly, sure. Um, but that, that's also where the laziness comes in. See, finding that balance means, well, balance. It means less energy, which is important because if there's too much energy, well, because what you're doing with energy, you're generating heat and the water won't freeze. And as is the case in virtually everything, balance almost always equals some sort of symmetry. Snowflakes are basically just water droplets that are trying to find peace in the chaos that is our atmosphere. The conditions might change at any given second, and with it, molecules on either end of the flake have to adjust and seek balance. And they're being acted on by the same conditions, thus the symmetry, which gives us these beautifully intricate shapes that we're so familiar with. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, it, it's so, uh, I don't know why I didn't see that before, honestly, just picturing setting a bunch of quarters down and how, yeah, it would, it would make a hexagon. Yeah. The universe is lazy. Kind of, sort of, a little bit. Wait a second though. So what if we take really pure water and then cool it down to say uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit and then drop a speck into it, what happens? Instant ice. How instant? Virtually the blink of an eye, maybe a little bit longer, depends on how much water you're talking. It's called super cooling, actually. It's a thing. Here, hey, watch this video. Oh my gosh, it's like a freaking magic trick. Honestly, I think that we should probably make a video of this also just because it's amazing yeah. you have to see it with your own eyes right so it also warns a guess what <clears throat> drum roll please try this at home also okay you take really pure water when it's really pure it doesn't have a whole lot of stuff in it therefore um a a, a smaller amount of reminders of how to freeze fiji water is one that's usually highly recommended very nice and clean. I bet the company would love to hear this. Take that Fiji water, put it in the back of your freezer. You're going to want to check on it every so often to make sure it doesn't actually freeze all the way or get too cold. But you do want it to be very, 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 very cold. Okay. Once it is at this point, gently remove it from the freezer and then bam, smack it on the countertop. And within seconds, you've got a frozen solid water bottle. So for me, this was a bit of a rabbit hole. I can acknowledge that. But I think that thinking about how every time it snows, especially in the winter, when things get, you know, sad, seasonal affective disorder, sad, and emotionally, which I guess is the same thing. It's, it's kind of cool to think about the connections to um, everything and the, and the universe as a whole and the beginning of everything and how winter might seem like the end of a lot of things, but it's also the mark of new beginnings. Which, Richard, I'm going to do it. I told myself I wouldn't do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be cheesy. You're going to do what? 
I'm going to be cheesy. I'm going to be so cheesy. Please don't. I can't help it. Oh, gosh. It's just, it's overwhelming, the amount of cheese. Oh, Please. Man. I'm lactose intolerant. You'll swiss it if I don't. It's, it'll be cheddar then. Okay, that was horrible. <laughs> anyway, very cheesy. <clears throat> Winter time. We're approaching the new year. New beginnings. The wildlife, this show, the website, all of it. We have had our fair share of new beginnings and restarts and revamps and readjustments and realignments and re-rees and re-re-re-re-rees and all kinds of stuff. We like to think that things have been improving and 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 from what we can gather from what listeners have been telling us from uh, uh the data of increased listeners and downloads per episode and more and more people across more and more countries listening um we were succeeding in that this year we made 27 episodes 785 minutes worth of science and nature podcasty goodness Next year, we're going to have a lot more than 27 episodes because, well, we've switched to more of a close to, you know, a, a weekly format. Um, I am hopeful. We have a lot of really good ideas, uh, a lot of really good topics lined up, um, a lot of interesting things to talk about. We're listening to feedback, which... As always, if you want to leave us a comment or a rating wherever it is that you are listening, I cannot tell you how much I individually appreciate those more than you can possibly imagine because it tells me what we're doing well or what we need to work on. And believe me, um, Richard and I both, we are incredibly self-critical. We are far more self-critical than what I would assume the average person is and and we know that the show is not perfect we know that we have our hiccups we know that we have things to work on and we are when we are working on those things and we are bringing those into focus um and and trying to set the the vision for where we want to take things um so just know that when you leave that there we do take it to heart and it's a usually reflecting what we already feel but it does help to to kind of confirm confirm our feelings you know what i mean Everyone wants their feelings confirmed so ever so often, right? But with that being said, um, um, I think, um, so we, this year, before the new year, we'll have, aside from this, we have, we'll have one more episode that will be coming out about orangutans. It's very, very cool. We've already done the interview for that. And, and so the reason I'm talking about it now is just because it's sort of on my mind. Um, in that, there, we, we spent a lot of time talking about conservation and the approach to conservation and how to change people's minds and things like that. And a lot of it just really got me thinking about the show and how we do things and how we talk and how we communicate and, and what types of stories we want to focus on. And rather than it just being general topics where you could find that information anywhere, right? We want to take... We want to take stories about animals that, that, that maybe flip your perspective on that specific animal, makes you rethink 
everything you know about that animal or, you know, things like this, like how to build a snowflake. You don't just hear that everywhere, right? We like to think that we're bringing something new, something refreshing, um, and maybe reaching people who don't get a whole lot of opportunities to do things like go to museums and nature centers and, and that sort of thing. I know I'm rambling. That's what I do. That's why we have a podcast. Um, but once that episode comes out, we're going to have a bit of a holiday hiatus. Um, I'm going to be visiting Texas while we're there, probably going to do some recording, work on some planning and things like that. But we're going to go on a, a holiday hiatus so that, um, well, so that you and, and we um, can focus on our family, focus on spending time with our families and doing the things that, that the holidays are for and not focusing on, on the podcast, but we're not gone. Just a brief holiday hiatus. So, um, thank you so much for sticking with it and, and listening this year. And, uh, you know, to, to our new patrons, the people who, who support us financially so that we can do what we do and do the things like upgrading our equipment and getting new editing software and all of those things that we've been able to do. We've only been able to do them because of people out there who have had faith in us and who have listened and thought, you know what, this is something, this, this could be something. And, um, you know, who, who just, who just believe in us. Um, we, we appreciate you endlessly more than you could ever know. And more than we could ever Very think. Much. Um, Matt Capel, Chris Trenkel, Andrea Lloyd, Megan Gariani, and Bridget Fitzgerald. You are, are the soul of the show. If you want to become a patron also and support what we're doing and become in turn a part of the wildlife ambassador program where a portion of your monthly proceeds go towards a conservation or research program around an animal of your choice. You can do that at patreon.com slash the wildlife. I want you to know we do not use contributions uh, loosely. We running the podcast, running a website, it gets expensive. And 100%, aside from the portion that gets donated, um, goes towards um, paying for the podcast host, host subscription, uh, the domain, the website subscription, um, keeping the shop up and running and being able to do things like order samples and stuff before we send them out to people to make sure that the quality is good. Um, there, there is no like, oh, let's just like buy this thing for no reason. No, 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 no. It's all to upkeep and it's all to trying to make things better. What I will say is that right now where we are currently at, it's all going to upkeep and anything else is basically just coming out of our individual pockets to try and expand and try to make things better. So that is my last plea of the year on why you should become a patron. Other than the fact that some of your contributions get donated, um, we have that vision. We want to expand. We want to, we want to look at other things on the horizon and we, we need you to do that. And now it is time for Edible Sound of the Ring. Grrrr. <sighs>
Richard, I think that that was our best masterpiece yet. Most enthusiastic one, but uh, probably not. It was quite enthusiastic. No, it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, yeah, and was, yeah, and it it's honestly a bit of a cruel joke. You know, we offer a prize at this point. Well, I say, you know, not a great prize. You know what? I think if you figure that out, you deserve a wonderful prize, like a sweater or something. I don't know. Or a blanket. We have a new blanket in our shop. I don't know if you've seen it. Or a phone case. I don't know. Take your pick. Maybe not your pick. We'll chat. We'll chat. If you get it right, well, you know, you know, hit me up. We'll have a conversation because, you know, if you if you have a guess, you send it to us on social media. You can send it to me on Instagram at Devin the Nature Guy or at thewildlife.blog. Send it to us in the email at hey.thewildlife at gmail.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you would like. Please. With that being said, oh, Richard, did you have something? No. Oh, okay. 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 Well, um, with that being said, um, I'd like to once again thank you all for listening. Um, I I do genuinely appreciate it. Now, here's the thing: if you are listening in class, pay attention to your teacher or your professor. That's ridiculous. Don't be listening to us in class. That's crazy. If you're at work, that's fine. You're getting paid. Who cares? You're getting paid to listen. That's awesome. Maybe maybe you could share some of that. Boss makes a dollar. <laughs> I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. That was beautiful <laughs> wait before That's we why go I learn about science and nature on company time yeah you know what if you're <laughs> gonna learn about anything on company time it better be science and nature and if you're gonna learn about science and nature what better place than the wildlife where two brothers chat about science and nature that's gonna be this is gonna be our new our new tag our new slogan well again thank you for listening um we hope that you have a wonderful um winter break or holiday season granted you will hear from us one more time between now and then but uh either way you can never say it too many times right bye everyone and have a wonderful winter break